I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to season 10 of the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone. And this week we are talking college tennis. The college tennis season is underway. The ITA kickoff weekend is behind us, although we are recording this in advance of ITA kickoff weekend. But I'm really excited to have a conversation around college tennis. I'm I'm Fingers crossed that the season's going to go off without a hitch, that we're actually going to get to national championships this year. Wouldn't that be nice? And we've got a lot of uh, last year seniors who would have graduated and not had another year of eligibility, but due to NCAA decisions, they were able to come back. So we've got some stacked rosters across the board in college tennis, but there's some other pieces of college tennis landscape that don't get talked about as much. And that's why I am thrilled to have Dave Mullins of the ITA back with us on the podcast this week. Dave's going to talk about not only the upcoming college tennis season, but also the tennis for America uh, program that he has been instrumental in developing and implementing and working on and the fact that applications are open now for next year. And as you all know, if you've been following our podcast, we had one of the Tennis for America scholar athletes join us last year and talk about her experience with Tennis for America. So that was really fun. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes in case you missed it. But let's talk about what's going on upcoming with Tennis for America. And for that, I am adding Dave Mullins to the the broadcast here. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, it's always great to be on with you, Lisa. Thanks for having me and shining a light on, on Tennis for America. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So for our listeners that aren't familiar with the Tennis for America program, can you kind of give us a bit of backstory, how you came up with the idea, why the idea decided this was something it wanted to do? Hmm. Well, definitely wasn't my idea. All, all the credit goes to John Bridgeland, who's a, a former college tennis player, uh, played at Harvard, captain of the tennis team there, worked in uh, Bush administration, Obama administration, uh, it runs an um, a organization now called Civic out in Washington, D.C., uh, just an incredibly accomplished uh, man and, and still has uh, much great stuff to do in the world. But he won our meritorious award in 2015, I believe, and in his acceptance speech at our ITA convention, he um, kind of posed the idea to everybody in the room, including our board of directors and CEO, as to what a year of service program could look like for NCA student athletes, and specifically uh, charged uh, the ITA and college tennis to get that started, to pilot this project that You've got these student athletes coming out um, of these institutions every year with an incredible amount of experience uh, beyond just being in the classroom and learning from professors and their, their classmates. They've been obviously traveling around the country competing. They've learned from their teammates. They've learned from their coaches, their athletic trainers, nutritionists, strength and conditioning coaches, whatever it is. They, they've had a very well-rounded experience. And, and obviously, young people throughout the country, regardless of their background, really look up to these student athletes. They want to be in their shoes one day. They want to be, you know, the quarterback or the point guard or the tennis player um, at whatever their favorite university is. And so 
this really resonated with, with our board of directors, but they just the ITA just wasn't in a position at the time to tackle it. So when I came on board last year in 2019, whenever that was last year, <laughs> I'm losing track of the days. And, and I then, know. You know but, yeah, it's 2021 now. <laughs> yeah, I know. August 2019 uh, is when I started. But even throughout the, the interview process, it was very clear that whoever the ITA hired for my current position this would be a project that they'd be tackling and, and that you know, came up a lot in the interview and what our thoughts were around it and how we'd execute on that. So really in, in August 2019, I got to work on it. We uh, successfully applied for AmeriCorps VISTA funding. Um, so the, the federal government funds these VISTAs, uh, volunteers in service to America. Uh, so we call our, our VISTAs Tennis for America VISTA Fellows. And uh, they they provide a monthly stipend for our vistas, um, depending anywhere from about a thousand dollars to seventeen hundred dollars, depending on the county in which they're working. They also provide a relocation stipend of up to seven hundred and fifty dollars, and then there's a post kind of graduation cash award of either eighteen hundred dollars, or they can get about sixty five hundred dollars towards either their student debt or if they want to continue on in their education they get that um, uh, academic award. So we successfully applied for that. And then uh, we'd also started having conversations with NJTLs across the country as to where we placed these VISTA fellows. And, and like you said, in your introduction, you spoke with Gabby Hesse, who's out in, in at the JTCC in, in Maryland, uh, along with uh, Ava Todd, who played at Davidson. And they're doing fantastic work out there. But once we had the, the NJTLs in place, then... Let me interrupt you one second. Yeah. NJTL, National Junior Tennis yeah. and Learning. Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I believe there's uh, close to 300 NJTLs across the country and in, in different mm-hmm. cities, different counties around the country. We'd love to to help all of them, but um, we this is a pilot project. It is something we're trying to get started. So we uh, we started with with four uh, NJTLs, and so we had we opened up the applications around this time last year and. Uh, end of February, early March, we went through the interview process. Then COVID hit. Everything was up in the air. The par- partners didn't know if they wanted to move forward with this. We had a few of the applicants drop out, uh, but we ended up with eight vistas in four cities and um, got them started in June, July, and August of 2020. So they are halfway through their year of service now, or you know, some of them are halfway through, and, and others are, are pretty close to that mark. And we've opened up applications for year two. We actually have eight sites now this year. We're hoping to have 12 vistas. So we're trying to grow the program, apply some lessons that we've learned this, this you know, up, up until this point. And then in year three, what we're going to try and do is expand it to other NCA sports. So I've already had conversations with lacrosse and volleyball and soccer. And um, we'll continue to have those conversations with other sports to see if they have the infrastructure similar to how tennis does with the NJTLs that would allow, you know, uh, them to support the student athletes regardless of the sport. So we're learning lots of lessons. Um, we're going to pilot this for three years and then we'll see where it goes from there, potentially work with the NCA. Maybe it's the NCA want to adopt this uh, for all sports. Uh, maybe it becomes its own 501c3. Uh, maybe the UST, USDA Foundation want to take it on um, just for tennis and other sports do the same now that we've kind of mapped out how it can be accomplished. So, um, so, so far so good, but uh, we're still, uh, we're still learning so much as we go. 
So you keep mentioning the lessons that you're learning this first year. What are some of those lessons? What are some of the things that are working well? And what are some of the things that you feel like need to maybe be tweaked for year two? Well, we definitely want to make it as sustainable as possible. And so to get this up and running, we invested a lot of money into it. And uh, we felt like we needed to pay for the the housing of the vistas mm. um, also some continuing education a graduation ceremony uh, we provide a gas uh, stipend or public transportation stipend um, so you know these vistas uh, give them credit they didn't know really what they were signing up for yeah but we felt like we needed to to put a lot more resources towards it financially um, and in order for this to be sustainable, we, we can't continue to do that. It, it's just uh, it's a huge burden on, on I don't say burden. That's the wrong word. But it, it's it's you know, we're a small organization, Lisa, as you right. know. And so we're trying to see in year two, could we shift some of the responsibility to our partners in terms of um potentially providing housing now not all of them are and, and not all of them are in a position to do so uh, but but some of them will um, and same with some of those other benefits continuing education uh, assigning a mentor um, you know other other benefits that they can uh, offer like at the end of this month we're doing a, a LinkedIn workshop for our vistas so now as they're getting prepared to finish their year of service because it's sneaking up on us you know, how are we helping them transition into the next phase of their life? So mm-hmm. we're kind of trying to see if we can take a step back a little bit and and have our partners take more of, of a leading role in that. And how does that change the experience? Does does it lessen the experience? Does it make it more? Uh, do our partners feel like they have more responsibility and are maybe taking more of, of the onus to helping these vistas? So those are some of the the lessons that we still want to learn um, going forward to, to see, and also our student athletes interested in this mm-hmm. program. I mean, we had uh, approximately 20 or so applicants last year, which is not as many as we would have liked. Uh, now, COVID might, may have played a role in that, the uncertainty as to what the program sure. was all about, but the quality of the applicants, Lisa, was just outstanding. I mean, our vistas are just off the charts and are going to go on to do great things in this world. So, and same this year, we've, we've opened up the applications. We have four as of today, and again, you look at their resumes and their cover letters, and you're, you're so impressed with, with how these young individuals are, um, you know, thinking about their place in the world and their future, and and how they want to give back because tennis has given them so much. Right. One of the things that ITA has done in recent years is really make a push to involve alums of college tennis, right? Mm-hmm. To reach out to alumni to engage them in an alumni tennis network through the ITA, um, to have the alums have the ability to post jobs maybe for their companies, to get their companies involved and hiring former college tennis players to come on board and and work. Do you foresee the alumni network kind of working in partnership with Tennis for America and maybe filling some of those gaps that you just mentioned, like housing and funding and Mm. job opportunities and all of those things? Yeah, definitely. There's there's some intersection there uh, for sure, just in terms of um, uh, our alumni as they learn more about this program, reaching out in cities that we're not currently in, asking if if we're going to go into that city and how could they help 
whether that's from a, a mentoring perspective, whether it's getting our, our visitors settled, uh, just having somebody to maybe go over and get a home cooked meal with or something like sure. that. Um, and then also their progression out of their year of service into the workforce. So definitely there's a lot of crossover there and we're still trying to build that alumni community and Corey Pegram in, in our in our office has just done a tremendous job with that. Yeah. But um, there's still a lot of growth there. But yes, we're leaning on our alumni network also for applications because Lisa, it's not just those that are graduating this May or June it might be individuals who have been out of, um, uh, you know, in the workforce the last couple of years. Maybe they hate their current position and they want to change a pace and they want to get. Or maybe in. they've lost their job because of COVID. I mean, there you there go. a lot of people out of work, especially recent sure. college grads. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we've we've had applications come through our alumni network, actually, that you know, have have checked the job board and have seen this opportunity come through with with our emails and flyers and and so um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of in, interconnection there that we hope to continue to to take advantage of. Does a person, an applicant, have to have played four years of college tennis in order to be considered? No. Um, it's a good question. That that's the thing. We we want to leave some flexibility there. We understand things come up, and you know sometimes you know I don't want to say sometimes a lot of cases players aren't on, on tennis scholarships, mm-hmm. and um, you know they they may have had to prioritize other things. They may have had to get a part time job. They may have you know their their study programs. Um, you know whatever it is they're pursuing may have just you know, have to dominate uh, the majority of their time and, and uh, unable to play tennis. But if they, we don't have, okay, you've had to have played at least, you know, one year or anything like that. We'll take it on a case-by-case basis, but we do want some connection with, with college tennis, with a college team, understanding that connection within the, within the community and how, again, you know, how do we partner some of our NJTLs with college campuses and, Again, there's a lot of synergies that can be created there, um, and we're hoping our, our VISTAs are able to execute on that. What if it's a club tennis player? Would they be eligible to apply? Yes, they are. We, we uh, opened it up to, um, to club players. We also opened, opened it up to uh, PTM graduates as well uh, who may not have played on a, on a college tennis team. Really, any, any people in that space whatsoever, we're, we're not – Ultimately, we're trying to pilot something for all NCA student athletes, not just tennis. But if we can get the right candidates, the right individuals who have a passion for giving back to not only tennis, but to their country as well, we're absolutely going to consider their applications. I'm thinking about some of the players who maybe went to college for a year or two and decided to turn pro. Mm. Tennis kind of shut down over the last several months and they haven't had the opportunities to to play professional tennis and earn a living that way. Maybe those are, you know, some good candidates as Mm. we move forward through this COVID period, at least, you know, giving them an opportunity to give back to the sport. Because I know like one of the things I hear a lot is, and I'm sure you hear it too, Dave. I I know you hear it (laughs) is how do we get our professional tennis players more engaged in college tennis, more engaged in junior tennis, more engaged in giving back to their local communities mm. and really growing the sport from all those different angles. Yeah, it's, it's a problem all over the world, Lisa. I mean, just as you know, I was back in Ireland for three years and 
um, was always encouraging kind of my, I guess, my generation of, of players to, to get more involved. I mean, it's, it's easy to sit on the sidelines, right, and complain about your federation or your national governing body or this or that and why was this decision made. And um, I think it's important, you know, that we're not relying on the same people all the time to, to volunteer their 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 time and their energies. And I know they, they do that willingly, but we also have to have the next generation of, of yes. I guess, volunteers, tennis volunteers come through and that we have, um, you know, that, that people in their 30s and their 40s are, are getting involved and maybe, you know, just learning what the, the, the process is, what the governance structures are and, um, you know, being involved for many years to come. But I think the professional players ha have a role to play in that as well. I think what happens sometimes, Lisa, is tennis players get so burnt out on the sport. Um, I think it's different. I, I don't know if it's different, but it, I think there's two things, right? There's the burnout factor where they've just played so much since the age of five or six or whatever mm -hmm. it is. They yeah. just want a complete break from it. They want to get away and do something else. But I think the other thing that hurts tennis is that you can play the sport for life. And I think what I noticed back in Ireland that a lot of other sports, whether it's our, our national sports of, of Gaelic football or hurling or rugby or soccer, you get to a certain age, you can't play those sports anymore. <laughs> and, and But you want to stay involved in the sport and that encourages you to volunteer. So you see mm. a lot of former players giving back because it's their only way to stay engaged with the sport. Where in tennis, it's like, well, I'm going to keep playing till I'm 93 and yeah. I don't need that connection and I'm going to keep going. So, um, yeah, I, I haven't figured that out. Lisa, if you figure it out, let me know. But um, I hadn't thought of that in terms of our pro players. And this might be a, um, whether they're getting ready to, to end their tennis career or mm -hmm. take a break from it or just aren't sure what the calendar is going to look like here for the next 12 months. Um, I think that's a great idea because, um, yeah, the, the sooner we can uh, get them involved on the other side of tennis and, and uh, have them understand there is a much bigger picture there. It's not just about picking up points and, and maybe a bit of prize money. There's, there's a whole infrastructure that yeah. allows that to happen. And I think sometimes players take that for granted. I know I did as a player. Um, you just expect these tournaments to go ahead with very little understanding of the months of planning and the investment that goes into pulling off a 15 or a 25K. Right. Sometimes as a player, I thought, oh, you just snap your fingers and it's it's going to always be this week on the calendar. And if it's not, I'm going to be really upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, by its very nature, tennis attracts people that are a little more selfish and i don't oh, mean I that, in the, that Lisa. i was hoping you would <laughs> well yeah well you know leave it to me true in tennis and all that but i mean it's an individual sport and so you know by its nature people that are drawn to an individual sport are people that are comfortable being out there alone doing the work themselves you know it's all about them the universe kind of circles around them and and as parents we enable that um not always in a positive way and coaches enable that as well. And so it, it makes sense that it might not necessarily occur to a player that, Hey, there's this whole other side of the industry that allows me to play this sport. And maybe once I reach a certain level, it's time to start 
giving back to that so it's available to those players coming up behind me. And, you know, I just think it's we we haven't done a great job as a, as an industry to educate the players that are currently involved in what they should be doing to give back. And we're starting, I think, last summer, we really started to see some of the players engage um use their platforms in a positive way due to the political situation that was going on and especially in this country. But we saw players around the world engage in what was going on here in the States, which was really, for me, I, I, I was really proud of our sport that um, our athletes were stepping up and speaking out and doing so with a lot of passion. And, mm. you know, we haven't had a lot of that in tennis over the years. So We'll see. I think, you know, Tennis for America could be a great platform for that and engaging these athletes and helping them understand why they need to get back and helping them inspire the, the players coming up behind them to also engage in their local communities because we all benefit, right? Mm -hmm. We all benefit if we get our local communities behind us, behind the players, behind the teams, behind the sport itself. And, you know, it's a win-win. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I think sometimes the student athletes underestimate just how uh, big an influence they can have. On, yeah. You know, it's, it's especially if you're coming from maybe, a, you know, I coach at the University of Oklahoma. So maybe if you're coming from a bigger city, maybe you're coming from, you know, L.A. or somewhere or a different country. And, and you, you don't necessarily understand just how big a deal it is to be a student athlete at the University of Oklahoma for all those kids around that community, you know, from Norman, Oklahoma, up to Oklahoma City, up to Edmond, you know, those kids grow up, you know, huge, you know, University of Oklahoma fans dreaming of being a student athlete at that, that institution and look up to these student athletes like they're, they're gods. Yeah, um, and even sure. it might be the number seven player on the tennis team, they, they don't, they don't necessarily understand just how much influence and how much impact they can have on uh, on their communities. So I think that's something that uh, we all need to do a better job of and, and try and, uh, you know, just for, for college tennis, but for, for tennis in general. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's funny because I, as you're talking, I have this very vivid memory of being at a junior tournament with my son and, I, maybe he was in the 16s at that point. So not a little kid, you know, he was a, a teenager. He was in high school and um, we're at the tournament site and it was in Atlanta. And one of the UGA players was on site. Uh, he was, I, I can't remember if he was like, you know, helping coach one of the kids or if he was just there hitting for himself or whatever. But my son saw him and this player knew my son from having gone to camp at Georgia and, you know, called him by name and put his arm around him and walked and talked with him and chatted about, you know, what was going on in his life. And you would think my son had just met the biggest rock star on the planet. Right. And yeah. um, it, it was just such a cool thing for me to watch as a parent. Like, you know, my son idolized this kid and this kid was only, you know, four or five years older than him, but yeah. It, it was really a cool thing to see. And um, yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, the student athletes don't understand the influence they have and, and helping them 
kind of grasp that I think is is one of the things that the ITA is trying to do with mm -hmm. programs like Tennis for America. So kudos to y'all for doing that. Yeah, thank you. No, it is it is great to see um yeah, how these student athletes are, are using their experiences, um, you know, and, and the, the type of and, and that's that's what's been tough about this year, right? It, it, it hasn't panned out exactly how we had planned in our minds when I was first, you know, mapping all this out and, and they're not getting the same um, interactions uh, at, say, the schools within the community and, right. and, and training volunteers and, and training teachers and, and things of that nature, but they're still pivoting and adapting. They're doing things virtually and they're doing things in smaller groups and, and still having a greater impact, you know, a great impact. And even, even if it's one or two children and you yeah. influenced an impact, I mean, that that's a life life well lived in my book. So yeah, more, more of it to come, hopefully. Yeah. So if people are interested in getting more information about Tennis for America and applying for this next mm -hmm. round, uh, how do they do that? It's um, www.tennisforamerica.com. Um, they can uh, find it on wearecollegetennis.com as well. But uh, on the on that page, there's there's an application button. It will take them to. Do I have that right? Um, tennis. No, the four is a, a spelled out F O R. Okay. Um, let, me, let me fix that. Well, now you're. Uh, now I'm questioning it, Lisa. Let me see. Uh, yeah, that the four is spelled out. Okay. Um, there we go. All right. So, there's the link. There so, you go. Thank you. Those um, of you watching the video version, the link is on your screen and you can tap it. Those of you listening to the audio version, um, the link will be in the show notes on mm -hmm. parentingaces.com. So check that out. Yeah. All the details are there. The The application page is there. They can see the, the sites that they can apply to, the benefits at each site, uh, the job description at each place, who they'll be working for. Uh, and some other details about uh, the organization that, that they've been joining. So, and if anybody has questions, they can email me at, at com. Ignore that one. This is the right one. <laughs> Sorry. Technology. Yeah. My, my fingers uh, are tapping the wrong thing here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just dmullins at itatennis.com and, and uh, I'll be quick to respond. All right. Let me open. I'm going to put your email address up there as well. Here we go. So again, those of you listening to this as opposed to watching it, check the show notes and Dave's email address will be there. But otherwise, if you're watching the video version, there it is. You can click on it. Um, uh, Lisa, sorry to correct again. It's dmullins at itatennis.com. Oh, my goodness. Just I, yeah. I'm like failing on every level here. We'll dmullins at itatennis.com. There we go. All right. Let me fix that. There we are. All right. That's the one. All right. D Mullins at ITA tennis.com. Again, that's the one that'll be in the show notes. The one that actually works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, so reach out to Dave if you have any questions. Let's shift gears for a minute, Dave, and talk about this upcoming college tennis season. We are recording this mid-January. The ITA kickoff weekend is coming up. Um, by the time this airs, that will be in the past. And hopefully we will be underway with our spring dual match season in Division One. And um, 
what's happening? What are you hearing? Our team's going to get to play. I mean, uh, it's just a, such a crazy time. Yeah, it really is. And um, it, look, Lisa, it, it depends who you speak to, right? Which coach and which conference and watch the vision. Um, I guess we're, we're, we're maybe more optimistic than, than we were a couple of months ago. I mean, even with COVID raging all around the country, um, athletic departments seem eager to, to allow their student athletes to, to compete and travel and, and uh, get season started. So, I mean, for the kickoff weekend, we'll see how it plays out. But um, we've had very few teams drop out. We did reduce the draw this year. Mm -hmm. uh, traditionally, we've had 15 sites of four teams. So um, we've gone down to, to seven sites of four teams this year. So what's that, 28 teams total. Um, we've only had, I think, two on the the men's side, uh, one on the women's side, have to drop out. We did have to change the host site from, from Seattle, Washington to Stillwater, Oklahoma uh, on the women's side. The men have had to switch from uh, the city of Chicago to their facility in Champaign, Illinois. Um, so we've had to make a few adjustments. But as I speak with Division One coaches, there a lot of them are playing hidden duels this weekend and are getting ready for the kickoff weekend and and uh, excited to travel to to Champaign or to Stillwater if they make it. So it looks promising. And then from there, um, they'll play some. Some of them will play non-conference matches. Some of them won't, and we'll get straight into conference play later that month. And uh, somehow we might muddle our way through to a NCAA championship in May. Yeah, I'm wearing my hat, and this yeah. is my charm here there you go um yeah it'd be obviously tough to to have to miss that two years in a row um yeah. but no i mean i, I think athletic departments have, have learned a lot here the last few months um obviously playing football playing basketball um a lot of lessons have been learned um they're they're going above and beyond to keep their their student athletes healthy the numbers have been a a lot lower. I mean, I, we look, we see basketball matches getting moved and that's going to happen with the tennis season as well. Matches are going to get canceled. They're going to get moved, but um, they've done a, an amazing job of, of keeping the student athletes healthy and, and COVID free. I, I'm, I'm shocked that, I mean, I think the SEC football got something like 68 of 70 games played. Mm -hmm. which I, I wouldn't have yeah. thought it was possible last August. So so maybe I'm too pessimistic, um, but but yeah, we, we'll see how how these next couple of months play out, and then yeah, like I said, the I spoke with a Division Two coach earlier today in in Florida, and and uh, she still doesn't have a schedule. Um, mm. Still waiting on decisions to be made. Probably won't start until March first. Not sure if they'll be allowed to play doubles. Um, so there's still a lot of a lot of things to be uh, worked out, but. Division one's looking good and, and we're still hoping for a division two and division three national indoors at the end of February. Um, we're looking for a, a still working on a, a men's site for division three indoor championships. Um, so yeah, every day is a new day, more information coming our way and just trying to uh, keep up with the, with the news cycle. What are you hearing in terms of fans being allowed at the dual matches this year? Have you heard anything about that? It's looking very unlikely. Um, I, I can't imagine that there'll be many places that will allow that. I mean, maybe immediate family or one guest per per player or something like that. But I, I think for the most part, they're not going to take any risks. And and uh, 
I think it's going to be very hard to get into any college tennis matches this entire semester. I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe towards the end of the year, conference championships, NCA regional rounds, maybe things will be able to be opened up by then. But I think early in the season, I mean, even as we're working through the indoor championships, I mean, it's going to be very strict and even travel party sizes will need to be reduced. And it's just going to look differently. And we're just we're, we have to accept that here for the next mm-hmm five months? Well, hopefully as the vaccine continues to get rolled out and hopefully that will happen in a different way starting (laughs) next week, um, maybe, you know, things will look very different and and Mm -hmm. we'll be able to play these matches and be able to have fans in the stands because that, let's be honest, I mean, one of the huge attractions of playing college tennis is playing in front of fans and having that atmosphere of cheering and yelling and pulling for the home team and all of that. And what a shame for these student athletes to miss out on that. It really is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's such a big part of that experience. And I know from my days of playing at Fresno state, just those, the big, the matches with the big crowds are the ones that I, I remember the most. And, and, uh, there's nothing it's just so much fun it's just it's incredible but I think the student athletes at this point and the coaches are just so eager to play um you know they they would I think do anything to play right now whatever you know restrictions they have to put in place um just to get these matches I mean they have a lot of them haven't played since last March Right. Um, you know, haven't done anything. They've been off the entire fall. I mean, so I think they're so eager to play and so excited to play that even if there's not um, fans in, in the in the stands, I, I think they'll take that for the next few months. But hopefully we can get right back to that and, and even build from there this time next year. What are you hearing about technology so that fans can follow their favorite teams from the mm. safety of their computer or phone or whatever? Yeah, it's actually something we're working on, Lisa, for our website as we're building out our, our technology and our infrastructure. So we're looking, uh, and hopefully by the end of the month we have this, where um, college coaches will be able to send in their either their entire schedule um, for, for the spring or just kind of take it week by week. And so we will, on a daily basis or a weekly basis, you'll be able to go in and see, say, February 1st, you know, whatever, UCLA versus University of Georgia, 7 p.m. Here's the link to the live scoring. Here's the link to the live streaming. So that that's in the works. It'll happen at some point this semester, but we're really hoping we can collate all that information and it'll take some time for our coaches to, to also buy in and recognize that we're doing that. And as they see that, I'll be like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll start adding our, our schedule to that and our live streaming links. But, you know, the, the, technology costs are, are coming down for streaming and there's more uh, options coming online. And, and I think coaches are, are again, trying to be creative in that space. Um, you know, obviously play site, there's, there is a link on our website. I can send to you for the show notes, Lisa, that lists all our, all the programs of play site so they can mm-hmm. see live matches. But really, if you go to pretty much any college page, you will see, you know, um, you know, if you go to, to, Again, USC women's tennis um, in their tabs, you will see probably a, a resources tab uh, or something along those lines, which will have links to their live scoring and live streaming. Um, obviously, social media, um, you know, Twitter, 
Um, it just depends on, on what institution's doing. But there are so many streaming options out there now. And, and uh, if you have a favorite team or you're, you're uh, alumni and you want to check in on how your team's doing, uh, there's there's a good chance they might have a streaming option or even something on YouTube. I mean, you right. know, so simple now with GoPro and iPads, you put it up behind the camera, Facebook Live, YouTube. So more and more coaches are doing that by, by the day. And that was a, what I was going to ask you next is what kind of commitment are you seeing and hearing from the college coaches outside the top programs that have oodles of money to spend on the latest technology. We know there are plenty of college tennis programs out there that don't have the money to put PlaySite or something comparable at their facility. And, you know, for the longest time, it's it's been a huge complaint of mine that so many programs aren't providing live scoring, live tweeting, something for the fans to kind of keep up with what's going on during the season are you seeing a bigger commitment now from those schools that don't have that kind of money to keep their fan base engaged? I think so, especially with some of the younger coaches who are more familiar with the technology, more comfortable with it, that recognize the benefits of, of, of um, you know, who maybe aren't as established in their community yet, but want to get the word out, hey, I'm the new coach in town and, and this is what I'm doing. Here's some of the, the new initiatives that I'm putting in place. I'm actually working on, um, Lisa, I'm not sure if you've seen it, it's a, called a Coach Masterclass, um, and I'm building my chapters, and, and uh, just really, um, when I started as a college coach, I had nowhere to go uh, for, for information, so it's it's really designed for, for young coaches, newer coaches coming into the business, just as a starting point, but one of the chapters I'm working on right now is streaming and broadcasting, so I'm going to have interviews with coaches around um you know how they've gone about getting their matches either streamed or televised I'm, i have a have a interview next week with the coaches at ut chattanooga chuck mersbacher and, and chad camper who um showcased one of their fall events on espnu and mm -hmm. chattanooga wouldn't be a power five with huge budgets yeah. and all you know so they figured out um you know how to get that exposure so, uh, and I'm also going to provide kind of a, a toolkit of resources, links to cameras, links to, um, you know, live streaming options beyond PlaySite that it's, yeah, PlaySite's great, it's, but it's, it's, it's expensive and right. not, not everybody can afford it by, by any means, but there are so many more options coming online now. You've got Track Tennis, you've got uh, Live Ustream, um, there's others out there and there's going to be so many more coming on so in the next few years there's there's going to be very few excuses for for coaches yeah. not to have these things online because the costs have just come down dramatically it's just then are they able to get the help because they don't want to be fiddling with cameras you know five minutes before a, a match or during a match um but if they're able to get some people to help out maybe players that aren't competing that day and there's other things that they or can do. Or students right? from the marketing department or the graphic design department or yeah. broadcast yeah. school. Yeah. Exactly. There's, there's so many, so many options there that, that that coaches can can take advantage of. And with you know the 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 gatekeepers, just like what you're doing here with your podcast, right? I mean, there was a day where you would have had to, you know, get on a radio station. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, and now you can just put this material out right. and, and um you know there is this um you know i guess uh, i don't want to say tension but there's the the 
the traditional media versus the the new media, the streaming media, yeah. the social media. And, um, you know, there's so many different things you can do around a match. You know, you can you could tape an interview or have somebody, you know, a coach tape uh, an introduction to the match tomorrow and a post-match thing that they can put on YouTube. There's so many things that they can do with it now. It's just do they have the time? Do they have the the energy, the whereabouts? Uh, can they get some help with it? But I think there's there's no doubt that's the way of the future and that as it becomes more expensive to to get tennis on, say, an ESPN or a tennis channel, um, you know, the the cost for getting your your um, match on YouTube are are very cheap, right? You can get a camera for yeah. $75. And uh, if you've got a decent Wi-Fi connection, off you go. So, right. yeah, there's really going to be no excuses in the years to come. Well, and I'm thinking of the parents, too. You know, this has always been an issue for the parents of the international players. But mm -hmm. for the parents of the American players, traveling to watch your kid play tennis this year probably isn't going to happen uh, unless they're within driving distance. And mm -hmm. so, you know, how sad to miss out on your kid's college tennis career because you have no way to see the match. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the coaches are thinking about that as well, that, you know, this isn't just about getting it out for the fans, but also for the parents of their players and keeping mm -hmm. that connection there. So... Yeah, and it's 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 also a recruiting tool, right? I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's you're able to tell a, a student athlete and their family that you're you know you're going to be able to pretty much see every home match and and probably a lot of away matches as well. Yeah. But um, you know, this is what we do for our home matches. This is how we may try and make them special. You know, these are going to be shown all all over the world, and um, some we might have some color commentary around. Who knows? I mean, there's just there's so many options now. It's just uh, can coaches wrap their head around what, what those options are and how to how to implement them and, and learn some lessons along the way. Well, and hopefully, too, the coaches are taking advantage of the sad fact that they can't go out and recruit. Right. They, they're not able to be at junior tournaments recruiting players. But so that frees up a lot of time and maybe hopefully they're using that extra time to think about these things. You know, how do we engage our fan base? How do we engage the parents? How do we utilize the latest technology? How do we engage with the other departments on our campus? Because, you know, as as the coach, I don't have time necessarily to do all these things, but certainly there are other students on campus who would love to have that opportunity and gain experience in doing these different things around our matches. So, you know, this is, is one of those things that I've been talking about for a long time. You and I have talked about it a bunch over the years, mm -hmm. but now it seems like kind of the stars are aligning and the coaches, they have the time. They, there's no excuses anymore. You're, you're not out traveling to recruit. So let's put some energy into really making these matches as great as they can be, really engaging our communities in new and different ways and incorporating the students on campus who may not know anything or have any interest in tennis prior to the coach reaching out and saying, hey, we have this opportunity on our team. We could really use your help, your expertise as someone who's learning how to do all of these things. How about you come and help us out here? You know, yeah. it'd be really yeah. cool. It, it would be. And yeah, I think students would hop at that opportunity and be able sure. to put that on their resume and 
and uh, you know grow and, and get some practical experience out in, out in the field especially if they have an interest in sports and sports broadcasting so yeah th those resources are there it's just coaches need to take advantage of them so sorry Absolutely. i need to get some water no go ahead i know it's dry here too today i've got my water sitting next to me so before we finish up dave i want to just ask you are there any other things going on in the world of college tennis that we as parents need to know about any updates you're hearing in terms of recruiting and when things are going to open back up with recruiting um showcases things like that that help junior players get exposed to college coaches and to college tennis yeah i think lisa you have as much information as i do on that unfortunately i'm I sorry I had, to hear that i, I was know you um, had some brilliant thing to no, share i mean just in terms of the nca i mean we we do get requests from time to time from the nca just in terms of polling our coaches on their opinion of the the recruiting dead period and uh how that's going to uh <coughs> sorry lisa i've really got something no stuck in my throat here hold on yeah, no worries it's here i'm going to put your uh the we are college tennis website up on the screen right now too so those of you who are not familiar with the ita and its website this is the link you can go to and get all the information that you need on college tennis on the the different facets that Dave and I have discussed today. Um, they've got news, they've got alumni information, they've got information on Tennis for America, they've got the college tennis rankings, both the team rankings and the individual rankings across all divisions of college tennis. So unlike um, some of our other organizations, they don't just focus on Division One at the ITA, but rather cover all divisions of college tennis. And so I encourage you to bookmark wearecollegetennis.com especially during the college tennis season, which is underway now, um, to have a look at the site on a regular basis, follow your, your favorite teams and your favorite players and see what's happening. All right, Dave, are you done choking? Or Talking so much. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, from time to time, we do get updates from the NCA looking for, for feedback from, from our coaches about the, the dead period and, how much they take that on board, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, we don't expect any updates anytime soon, unfortunately. I mean, I think coaches are, I mean, they're they're eager to get back to, to recruiting and I think they're tired of, of just doing the Zoom thing. And yeah. um, I think they've been creative with that and doing, you know, campus tours and, uh, you know, and the like. But I think, you know, I, I have to believe by the summer, coaches are out there again recruiting um it just i think one of the considerations is, is budgetarily um yeah. you know a lot of budgets have been been cut uh recruiting budgets will will often be i don't want to say the first to be cut but one of the first line items to to be reduced um you know how does as athletic directors are thinking about it i spoke to somebody you know kind of my counterpart at at the the soccer uh, association united soccer and uh, he felt like going forward, a lot of their uh, recruiting would be done kind of online and, and watching games, you know, streamed or on demand or whatever it is. And that coaches would be sitting at home a lot more doing recruiting. Now, I haven't heard the same in tennis. Um, 
but I, I think as again people become more familiar with these technologies as cameras are are placed on you know major tennis facilities around the country mm -hmm. um it may just become uh part of the recruiting process moving forward and and players may not know that coaches are watching them you know on court five in the middle you know in mobile alabama um yeah. there might be 15 coaches watching them um i, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out but it's it's a tough time um for i think you know uh sophomores juniors seniors going through the recruiting process my son's a, a sophomore now and, and wants to go down that road in soccer and um just there's not going to be as many opportunities to showcase your talents and there's not probably going to be as many scholarship dollars unfortunately um so I, i'm yeah i'm saddened by that obviously um but really don't know how, how it's going to play out it's going to be different lisa i just don't know how different and uh um how much coaches are forced to 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 be at home but maybe that forces them to recruit more locally uh, and maybe it forces them out into their own communities within say a three-hour radius or something like that and and they know they're they're going to have to recruit closer to home and, and maybe spend more time understanding those players games and and their potential and, and their backgrounds uh whereas before maybe they would have been somewhere else in the in the country or the world that same weekend so um it could end up being beneficial for for american yeah. tennis say but time will tell yeah it'll be interesting and i think it's like everything else you know businesses have had to pivot during all of this to work at home um kind of scenarios and the recruiting's done the same thing recruiting from home and you know the, one of the things that saddens me about that is I think there's a lot to be gained from face-to-face -face interaction with a coach that you're considering going to play for and face-to-face -face interaction with the team members that you're going to be joining. Um, and some of that is just, it's lost in a zoom call or a yeah. call like this, you know, um, and that's too bad. And, I think it's going to cause families to really have to rethink how they're making that final choice too of which program is right for them. So um, it, it will be interesting to watch. I, you know, it's, mm. and, and how many years are we going to let the seniors return, you know, and what's that going to do to spots available on teams and spots available in lineups? I mean, there are all sorts of factors that are just kind of still up in the air, which, you know, when this started in, March of 2020, we thought, oh, we're going to be down for a few weeks and then we'll be back up and all yeah. good. And here we are almost a year later. It's just nuts. Yeah, no, it, it is. And, and obviously we don't know what's there's there's so many things to come. I mean, what what is the future of, of college athletics in, in general? What are the future yeah. of universities? Um, yeah. you know, universities going to start closing the doors as more people move to kind of online schooling and the costs just become too prohibitive. Um, mm -hmm. there's, there's so many considerations, name, image, likeness, you know, how is that going to impact yeah. uh, the non-revenue sports? And, and um, yeah, there, there's just so many things, Lisa, that, that keep me up at night. Um, that I'm, but it's exciting I'm, too. I mean, I don't want to, you know, kind of come off as this is all just negative, negative, ne negative. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool to think about we're, we're being forced to pivot. We're being forced to get creative and find ways to continue to educate our kids, continue for our kids to have a way to showcase their athletic 
talents and abilities um, to pursue their interests. And it's not all about being in a classroom, being on a campus, being at a tournament, um, you know, having face-to-face meetings. So there's a lot of opportunity here. And and I want to kind of end this on a on an upbeat <laughs> note because yeah. I do think there are a lot of good things coming out of it. And we're learning that some of the old ways of doing business don't have to be that way. We can kind of step things up. I think tennis as an industry has finally been forced into the 21st century in terms of technology. And, Mm. you know, we were lagging way behind a lot of the other sports. And now it seems that, you know, we're starting to catch up and I, I'm excited by that. I think it's a good thing. And, um, you know, my hope is that we will get more kids involved in college tennis, that we'll get more former college tennis players back into the sport, giving back, um, whether it's coaching, whether it's supporting financially, whether it's participating in Tennis for America, whether it's getting involved in the ITA's College Tennis Network. I mean, there are just so many cool things going on. So I'm don't don't let it keep you up at night, Dave. It's, it's all good stuff, and and I have faith that we're going to come out of this on yeah. you know even better on the other side. Well, that makes me feel better for sure. It's um, yeah, it's 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 been a strange few months, but you're right. I mean, things you know, there's been plenty of crises throughout history, and and somehow we continue to evolve, and somehow human beings are still on this planet, and we're still barely. <laughs> trying to make some progress and progress can be be slower uh, than we'd like at times but no there'll be things that come out of this and, and I like what you said about technology as well I mean as I mentioned before around the the coach master class like mm-hmm. five years ago that wouldn't have been possible on right. our website you know right. and, and um, so there's there's so much there that um, is going to continue you know those tools are continuing to come our way and it's it's how do we use them for for good and not evil um <laughs> well, even the podcast that you guys are doing you know where yeah. you're interviewing different coaches and y'all yeah. are publicizing those on social media and i know they're up on your website too but i mean that's a cool recruiting tool for a family to use right go listen mm. to these podcasts with these college coaches get a sense of who they are what they're what's important to them what they're looking for in players what they're looking to do with their programs um how they you know, got involved in coaching, who their mentors have been over the years and what mm. they're giving back to the sport. I mean, there's a lot to learn from listening to these coaches talk and mm. understand, you know, kind of their journey and what led them to become college coaches in the first place. So again, I, you know, it's a, it's a lot of negative going on in the world right now, but I think to focus on the positive things that have come out of this and how quickly we've seen certain areas of our sport really step up and, and glom onto the technology that's available and learn how to use it in different ways to keep our sport pushing forward is, is encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's top of our strategic plan, um, you know, for the next couple of years, Lisa, just, We've seen the the progress that we've made with social media and with with our website and what we're able to do on it, and continuing to build that infrastructure and, and give more tools to to our coaches to run tournaments, uh, to promote camps, to promote clinics, and like I mentioned earlier, having a, a place for fans to come in and be able to click on a live streaming link or a live scoring link for their their you know match of the week or favorite team, 
yeah, all these things are, are um, yeah, they are exciting and, and hopefully they help uh, continue to make college tennis relevant in the eyes of athletic directors and presidents and, and uh, you know, community supporters in these college towns all across this country. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dave Mullins of the ITA, thank you so much for joining us once again on the podcast. I, it's been a pleasure. It's nice to see your face always and lovely to hear that Irish brogue <laughs> accent. I just love it. Um, so yeah. thank you for taking the time out. I know it's a crazy busy time for you guys and wish you all the best with Tennis for America with the upcoming season. Please, please, please that it goes off without a hitch and everybody stays healthy through it. And um Hope to see you in an event live and in person, maybe in the next few months. Maybe that that would be great, Lisa. Thanks for all your your support of college tennis and and uh, again putting a light on some of the things that we're doing. And yeah, always a pleasure to be on with you. So yeah, if we uh, maybe we'll be out in Orlando in May. Let's uh, let's hope for that. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank Thanks, you, Dave. Lisa. And to my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to the Tennis Channel for bringing us into the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We're so thrilled to be part of that. And we'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces Podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.